Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to church, second service. Super glad you guys are here to worship with us. Like I said earlier, um, we are starting a brand new series this weekend. It's going to be a four-part series. I'm uh, super excited about what the Lord wants to do in our church-like family. Before we get into that, um, if you're new with us, that's all right, so am I. (laughs) I've been gone for like three weeks, and so I'm a little rusty today. Just did a service before this one, kind of working the rust off of it, so give me a little bit of grace. But before I launch into this series, I actually want to talk about what's coming in September. Uh, We're doing a series that we target every year Right about the fall time, we target relationships in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I always do this every, every year. I always ask how many people you, you started coming as a result of a relationship series, and we do a show of hands, and hands go up in all the services. It's super cool, and the reason why is, is because if there's one area, not just in Mays County, but in our nation that needs attention, it's in the area of relationships, I mean, we've got marriages falling apart. We've got people that just need help. They just need some life principles. And so we're starting a series in September that we're called Spice It Up. (laughs) That's what it's called, Spice It Up. And you know what it is. I mean, food isn't necessary, you know, kind of an evil we have to eat to sustain life, right? But you can add a little spice to that food, and it becomes actually an enjoyable experience. I mean, if you have eggs that are just plain, it's kind of, it's whatever, you know what I mean? But you put a little salt and pepper on those eggs and a little bit of Tabasco, all of a sudden we got breakfast, everyone, you know what I mean? Have you ever just pan-fried chicken, you know, and not put anything on it? It just dries out and gets kind of bland. But man, if you put a little Cajon seasoning in there and you grill that, maybe you marinate it, all of a sudden we have a cuisine. It is the same thing when we're talking about your relationship, all right? Last year we focused a little bit more on families. This year we're going to be talking about marriages, all right? It's something that we see that we need in our church, in our counting, and we are just going to dive right into the deep end. It has taken Tyra and I a long time to create what I would consider a very flavorful marriage. And it's the same with God. God wants you to have an incredible marriage. He wants you to have an incredible relationship. And so that, again, that's starting in September. If you're in the room and you're like, I ain't even married, why should I come? Because if you want to be married someday, you're going to want to know what we're talking about. And if you have no desire to be married, well, you've got married friends, all right? So you want to you wanna be a part of this series. And then we're doing something at the end of September that we've never done in the last 10 years of our church. But we're doing a conference specifically designed and geared to marriages. It's called Created to Help. And uh, we've done virtue nights and virtue conferences, but this is the first time that we've tailored a conference specifically to married people. And so it's going to be great. Uh, Everybody that's always wanted to be a part of a virtue one night so you could hear Tyra speak, she is going to be a headline speaker at our Created to Help night. So we'll have some more information about that coming up in the next few services, the next few weeks. I do know that we're getting spice packets made. 
like with Spice, because the series is called Spice It Up, with a little invite card that everybody can go and invite your friends to. Listen, they want help in this area. They don't even have to believe in God, and they want help in their marriages. So get them here. Tell them about it. We're excited about that. Our, our whole fall ministry lineup is really amazing, starting with today. You know, last April, Tyra and I had a, uh, a handful of people in our home, and we took them through a life group curriculum simply called Freedom. Tyra had girls. I had guys. I handpicked the guys because I, I wanted guys that I thought would lead a Freedom life group in the fall, so in September. And so I asked just a handful of guys to be a part of this, of this group. And what I thought I could do is I could just fast track a bunch of dudes through, through this freedom course, which is from our friends at Church of the Highlands, Pastor Chris Hodges, um, fast track them through this thing. They thought that they were coming to learn how to lead men through freedom because pretty much it's the guys and like the guys and the girls are separate. Um, they thought that they were coming to learn how to lead people through freedom, and what ended up happening was they found freedom themselves. Your pastor found freedom just by going through some of this freedom curriculum. And I have been waiting for over two years to bring this curriculum to Mace County. I believe this is a right now movement in the body of Christ. And I think it's a right now experience that we are desperately looking for in our county. Here's what other people have been saying about the, uh, about the series. This study enabled me to see the truth about what lies I've been uh, believing along the way and what the truth says. To, to see that no matter what's going on in my life, the Lord loves me, accepts me, says wonderful things to me and about me. As I've addressed these lies and focused on the truth, the anger, the, the people-pleasing, the control, and the fear have lost the control over me they once had. This study gave me my identity in Christ back to me to walk every day knowing who I am and whose I am. I haven't felt this free maybe in forever. I recommend this study to everyone. Another person uh, who went through the curriculum wrote this, I walked into this room completely broken. I had no idea how I was going to pick up the pieces and rise again. Through this Freedom Life group, I was able to address the root issues, which in turn changed my beliefs and ultimately changed my behaviors. This class has taught me life skills that I will keep forever. My walk with Christ is stronger than it has ever been. I did not enroll in this class by chance it was God's master work. I am walking out of this class restored, renewed, and transformed. I genuinely believe that the series that we're starting today, the following life group semester that we're walking into in September, has the power to change the trajectory of our county. I really do. And my biggest concern is that I did not train enough leaders. And I could only train a handful. Tyra trained some, I trained some. And so what's going to happen is we're going to walk through this series over the next few weeks, and you're going to begin unpacking things inside of you that you didn't even know were there, lies that you had believed that all of a sudden the Lord is going to shine truth in your life. And then you're going to want to be, because we're barely going to scratch the surface of what 12, 13 weeks of a, of a life group curriculum can do. And there's something about actually processing through the content that will help you. And so... My biggest concern is that we are not going to have enough life groups in September. 
And uh, I'm just, I'm just going to ask that you just bear with us because what my hope is is that we fill every one of the Freedom Life groups up as well as the other life groups that are going to start and that from those life groups, we actually find more leaders. And from those life groups, we actually find more leaders. And the next thing you know, my hope is, is that everybody who worships at Your Place Church will go through the freedom content because it's just that good. We're about to launch a movement in our county. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for what is about to happen in the lives of all of us, Father, me included. Father, the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Lead us to freedom right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I like to talk about my high school days a lot, and it's not because I'm wishing I could relive my high school days. I don't want anything to do with my high school days. Are you with me, friends? But when I was uh, a junior and a senior in school, I, I graduated from Broken Arrow. It's where my parents grew up. They still live in the same house I lived in when I was two years old. Uh, and so when I, I graduated from Broken Arrow, but in Broken Arrow, we could actually take half days and we would go half day to, to high school and then half day we would go to Votech. And the closest Votech campus to Broken Arrow High School was the Limley campus at 31st in Memorial. And so essentially what they, what they said was a great idea was to turn a bunch of 17 and 18-year-olds loose on the streets of Tulsa during rush hour lunchtime traffic, right? Which was a terrible idea because all the guys I hung out with were the guys who we would go and we would eat together. We could pick any place we wanted to eat, so we would eat, and we would wait until we had about five to seven minutes to get to that campus, and then we would drive like banshees. They would drive like banshees to get there, right? I, uh, I obviously went the speed limits because... Um, no, I was barely saved at this moment. But some of my knucklehead friends, we would be on the Broken L Expressway, and it's lunch traffic, and these guys would be doing 80, 90 mile an hour on the BA. They would get over into the shoulders, and they would, they would roll past people on the BA, and they would weave in and out of traffic. And I would tell them, every one of them, I didn't do that. I might have, I might have went, you know, three over. But they were crazy. And I'll never forget, we had this one guy in Auto 1, and he was in Auto 2 with me. That's the class I was taking. I wanted to learn how to work on cars. And uh, this, this guy, we, we referred to him affectionately as Cuban. <coughs> His name was Cuevas, but we called him Cuban, and it's because he was from Cuba. But you would never know this dude was from Cuba, right? He looked as backwoods as they came. And his accent, I mean, you would think, to listen to him talk, you thought he came from the backwoods of Mississippi somewhere. He slung his words and stretched him out really long. You know what I mean? Had the cowboy hat, had the belt buckle, had the boots, had the Chevy pickup, like not from Cuba, all right? Or not, didn't seem like it was anyway. And I had the typical friends. I mean, they were partying, drinking, having sex, living the high life, and actively building regrets that will follow them the rest of their lives. This is who I hung out with, right? And I was talking to my friend Cuban one day, and you could tell that he was living in the aftermath of a bender party that he attended over the last weekend, the last few hours. 
His eyes are bloodshot. I don't know. I don't even think he went to high school that day, but he loved auto class, so he, he showed up at auto class. He's got a splitting headache. He feels like he's going to vomit in his boots, and uh, it's, just a, it's just a bad deal. And I can remember looking at him going, bro, w- what did you do? Like, you looked like you got hit by a train. He's like, oh, it was a party last week. It was awesome. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm like, did you have fun doing this? And he's like, oh, yeah, man, it was great. I can't wait to do it till next week. And again, I am barely saved at this point. I got saved when I was 17 years old. And uh, the one thing, I didn't know a lot about Jesus, but the one thing I did know about Jesus is I didn't want anybody to go to hell. And as my friend is talking to me about his party life that he's, he's a part of, this overwhelming urge came up inside of me. I was, the, I was the friend probably, like if they had this in the yearbook section, most likely to talk to you about Jesus. That was me, okay? And so as he's telling me about his amazing weekend, uh, I'm like, bro, have you ever considered a life with Jesus? Like, I just didn't want him to go to hell. And not that partying's going to send you to hell. He just felt like, you know, he'd been there. And so I, I, I said, have you ever considered a life with Jesus, like giving your life to Jesus? And he looked up, and he, he could tell I was trying to be serious with him. And so he said, yeah, yeah, I actually have. And I will one day. But right now, I'm just going to have some fun. That's what he said. I just, I just, I'm just going to have some fun. And so in that moment, it dawned on me. He thinks that a life with Jesus isn't fun. And he thinks that Christians are not fun. And I knew the type of Christians that he was talking about. He was talking about the stuffy, legalistic, rule-following, boring Christians who just beat people down with the Bible all the time. But deep inside of my friend... Cuban, was this genuine desire to know God and to go to heaven one day, but right now he wanted to to have fun, and Christian people just don't have fun, or at least he thought. And I told him, bro, you have Jesus all wrong. I'm having more fun right now as a Christian than I ever did in my B.C. days, and he looked at me like I was drinking what he was puking. You know what I mean? He just, it just did not compre- comprehend to him. He's like, you're a Christian and you like it? Yeah. See, my friend Cuban, Cuevas, my friend had the wrong approach to God. And so the question that I'm asking all of our weekend services this weekend is, what is your approach to God? See, I believe Christianity has a branding problem. We approach God in one of two ways. Most people see God as something that you have to endure versus something that you get to enjoy. Does that make sense, friends? Christianity, church, worship, this life is either something you have to endure or you get to enjoy it. Unfortunately, my friend Cuevas has been exposed to the wrong approach to God. Christianity is not about a denomination. It's not about an organization. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with a heavenly Father who loves us 
and would never leave us and never forsake us. My friend asked me, he says, well, what, are you, what, what, what do you think God would say about my lifestyle? And I actually genuinely in this moment looked back at him and I said, I don't think he cares a flip about your lifestyle as much as he cares about you. He just wants a relationship and he wants to know you. And it freaked him out. He had never heard this before. And I think a lot of people have never heard this before. The right approach to God, we find it in the second story of the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 2. We all know the first story, creation, which consequently is your first story as well. You were born. The second story in the Bible happens to be your second story as well. You have a choice. You have a choice how you're going to approach God. It's a choice that we all get to make. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Have you thought about, have you read this story before? Have you thought about this story before? I think most of us have, have read this story and we don't really know what's happening. We, we, we get our idea of what's going on in this story from Sunday school class, maybe when we grew up, or a children's Bible, a children's book, like we know that Adam and Eve were naked, and so you open it up to that story in the, Bi- or in the, the little kid's Bible, and there's Eve, and she's obviously naked, but her hair's covering her parts, you know what I mean? She's got a little leaf covering the other parts, okay? And she's holding this apple or this piece of fruit, and there's a bite taken out of it. And we all look at that story and we all say, oh, that's just the day they sinned. As if there are the, the, two, the two choices are God or not God. It's like they're choosing good or not good. Like that's what we look at when we read that story. But that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is it's describing two different unique approaches to God. You can approach God out of life, or you can approach God out of the knowledge of good and evil. Does this make sense, friends? This is the whole foundation for what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Notice here that, that one tree is pursuing good things. Like, you can pursue the knowledge of good and evil. But, it's, but if all your experience with God is just a knowledge-based, it's all head knowledge, that just is learned behavior. The other tree, which God says, hey, eat from that, is the tree of life, and it's heart-based. It's love-based, which leads to transformation. Verse 16, we'll keep reading. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, he's not talking about a physical death, even though it led to that, because Adam and Eve were never designed, never created to die. Humans were never supposed to die. It was not until this moment that that happened. But what it's talking about is actually a spiritual death. He was also talking about a death to their dreams, their future, their family, right? When I say this, this approach is something you can create in your family. 
You can lead your family to live in the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can create a life-giving environment versus just a learned behavior environment. Stay with me. Now, interject the devil into our story, which is in chapter 3, which consequently is also the third story of your life. You were born. You have a choice to make, but make no mistake about it. The devil is going to try to make sure you don't choose the right tree. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Which, by the way, is how the devil will attack you. He'll try to make you believe lies. Are you with me, friends? If, you, if he can get you to believe lies, it'll, it'll affect the way you live your life. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Look at verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from, from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. See, Satan's attempt is not always to just derail you to do bad things. He's actually appealing to her desire to be like God. Do you see it? We can pursue God the wrong way, or at least in a way that God never intended us to. You, basically... You won't have God, but you'll have a knowledge of good and evil. And there's a lot of people who are walking the planet today. They know right from wrong, but they don't necessarily know God. And it's because they're eating and living in the wrong tree. Verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, which consequently shame is always a byproduct of which tree you're living in. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. We can go so many different directions today, guys. But just by way of laying a foundation for this series, I want to give you three different viewpoints from these two trees. Three different views because they look so similar. You can be living in one approach and actually, you can think you're living in one approach and actually be living in the other one. You can think you're living in the tree of life, but you're actually living from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so we're going to talk about this. Viewpoint number one. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says, do more to get to God. If you'll just do more, then you can get to God. You'll win God's attention, right? Do more to get to God. And this is actually an approach that I had with God. When I was little, um, six, seven, eight, nine years old, I always wanted a go-kart. I just wanted a go-kart. I just thought it was cool. Have my own set of transportation. You know what I mean? My own wheels. Reach down, fire it up, 
cruise the neighborhood. And I lived in a suburban neighborhood in Broken Arrow. I just thought freedom was great, right? And so I asked my dad, who I knew, he was in computers back when computers were firing up. We're talking 80s and early 90s here. Um, Actually, 80s is when this particular story is happening. And uh, I knew that we were starting to get more money. I knew that because we had improved some things, some quality of life. And so I asked my dad, I said, Dad, will you get me a go-kart? And I I made it easy for my birthday. Like, you can save up for it. Like, for my birthday, maybe Christmas, will you buy me a go-kart? And I knew that my dad had the ability to do it. But my dad, in turn, wanted me He wanted to incentivize me, right? He said, yeah, sure, son. I will buy you a go-kart if you make straight A's in school. And what what they didn't know, what I didn't know is in in those earlier elementary days of my life, I actually had a, a learning disability, and I couldn't read well. And so straight A's were basically... No way, no how was that going to happen. I was a C student at best, right? And so in that moment, and he, he had no intentions on doing this, but in that moment, I started to live my life from the knowledge of good and evil. And I started to, I, 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 what was formed in my heart was, he has the potential to do this, but I have to work to get his approval. I have to work to get him to love me. And then every time I failed in that area, my assumption was I failed him. So therefore, I now lived my life with this approach to God. If I want to, if I want anything from God, then I'm going to have to work really, really hard. A lot of people will see God as a performance-based God, and it's the wrong approach. If you eat from that tree, the Bible says, you'll die. The tree of life says, receive the fact that Jesus has already done it all. He has already done it all. The realization that everything I need to do to get to God has already been paid for freely by Jesus Christ is mind-boggling to us. There is nothing else you can actually do to get any closer to God because Jesus has paid it all. He's paid the complete, full price for you. All we have to do is accept it. You know, I, I... I can live in this arena and not even know it. You know, there was, um, I swung back and forth from tree to tree. When I, when I got saved, I just fell in love with Jesus, which is the key. And our church, our youth group, um, was doing what they called Spectrum Prayer Nights. They happened on a Friday night, and uh, my youth pastor presented them as, hey, we're just going to come and pray and spend time with God. Well, who wouldn't want to do that, right? And he says, we're going to pray until the Spirit is done, And I did not know it, but that meant all night long. And so I would show up on a Friday night out of a genuine love, tree of life, for God and wanting to spend time in in his presence. But then I would, I I didn't even mean to do it, but I swung over to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And and what happened to, to me was, we're not even praying unless we're praying all night long. Does that make sense? This thing, this lie 
I begin to believe a lie. You can't just pray 15 minutes and then car ride to work and it do anything. You got to pray all night long. And I swung back over here, right? And it got to the point where I didn't enjoy prayer anymore. Because to me, I was doing it because I was wanting to work to get the, the, the approval of God. John chapter 5, verse 39 says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. In other words, the amount of your reading is what's making you godly. Jesus goes on and says, These are the very scriptures that testify about me, Jesus said. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus was like, the goal isn't how many scriptures you can read. The goal is finding me in the scriptures. That's what Jesus is saying. Can you see the mindset change between the two trees? Some of us, we've lived this way. I don't know if you're hot, but I'm getting warm. Some of us, we've lived in the other tree and not even known about it. The second view is simply this. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get God's approval. In order to believe that, we have to have already this premise that God currently doesn't like you very much. If we believe this, that we have to try to win his favor. It's the viewpoint that too many people have that God is inherently mad at you. Like, we, 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 we feel this. We think that God is mad. God just hates the sin of the world. Arr! You know what I mean? And a lot of us, we get our theology from Greek mythology. That's where we get our theology. We see a picture of Zeus, long white hair, long white beard, on a throne, way, you know, disconnected from humanity, and he's got a lightning bolt that he's ready to strike you down whenever you fail. That's where we get our theology from. And it says this, it says, keep trying to get God's approval. Like he's just waiting to bop you on the head. But my question is, what is your current view of God? Because your view of God will determine what your relationship with God will look like. If you see him as harsh, as ready to strike you anytime you fail, then that's how you'll approach God. But if you are living in the tree of life, the tree of life viewpoint says receive the fact that Jesus already loves you. He already loves you. He even loves you on the days where you're making the dumbest decisions you have ever, ever made. On your worst day, Jesus still loves you. Now, he may not love what you do, but he loves you and nothing can change that. Because I had this approach that was formed in me uh, early on, I I can remember being uh, 17 years old, 18 years old, again, finding Jesus here. And I wanted this big old Bronco, this big old Ford 1980 Bronco, 31-inch tires, had this uh, uh, 351 modified engine. It would lope at the, at the stoplight. It just had this big old cam in it. It was just super cool. And all the ladies are like, I don't know what he's talking about. But anyway, it was just a really, really tough truck, okay? It just, it used a lot of gas and it was a lot of fun. So, um, so I can remember getting this thing. And in my mind, we are going to go 
we're going to go tear up some mud. Like, I, I just imagine all four wheels spinning and slinging mud everywhere. And my dad told me, son, that's not a Jeep. That's not a dune buggy. That's a, that's a truck, and it's super heavy. If you get yourself in some mud, you're going to get stuck. And I can remember going, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So it was really late one night, and uh, the housing addition behind ours was a new subdivision being developed. They had knocked all the trees down, and they had already plotted it all out. And me and my buddies go rolling up in there at 10 o'clock one night, and there's no lights. And sure enough, I reach down, put it in four-wheel drive, and I'm like, watch this. And I just put my foot in it, right? And I'm like, and so all, all the contractors in the room, I'm sorry. I was that kid, okay? Tearing it all up. I tore it all up. Well, when all four of those big old meaty tires start spinning at the same time, you think you're supposed to glide across the surface, but in reality, that big old heavy truck, it just went right down to the bottom. Like, I mean, I opened the door and mud rolled into my floorboard. That's how bad it was, all right? And so I got down into the mud, okay? Right, that was back in the days where you had to adjust the hubs. And so I got out, and I knew what was going to happen. I have to go, and I have to have a conversation with my dad. I have, to go, I have to go tell my dad. Because there was no one else that could help me. So I got in my friend's Jeep, <laughs> who didn't get stuck. He took me to my dad's house, and I can remember walking in as if I'm about to get the, you did what talk? After I told you not to? talk. I can't believe you would do that. I can't believe you would defy me like that. That's what I was expecting because that's the tree I was living in. And that's my approach. And so I walked in and I said, Dad, I, I, I got the truck stuck. I, I need your help. And he smirked. <laughs> Never once did he say, I told you so. Never once did he say, I can't believe he didn't flip any tables. He goes and he gets a big old logging chain and he gets a come along and he throws it in the back of his 1976 Ford F-150 two-wheel drive and says, get in. And as we're driving, he kind of leans over and gives me that, you've never needed me more than you need me right now. <laughs> you know, he, he kind of knows that, you know what I mean? He kind of knows what's up and I'm, and I'm, I'm shaking my head going, you're right, you're right. Because that truck could not be there in the morning because it would be gone. Like the Broken Arrow Police Department would call a tow truck. They would haul it off. So I had to get it out that night. And we did. And here's my point. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Not while we're in church. Not while we're worshiping. Not while we're reading our Bibles. But when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When they were nailing him to the cross, he was loving them. He was giving his life for them. And if we don't have that viewpoint or that approach to God, then your view of him will be wrong and your journey with him will be wrong. The last viewpoint is simply this. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says, you better obey out of duty. You better obey it's your duty. You owe it. My friend Quavis saw the Bible as a list of rules to obey. And don't, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that the Bible suggests you should love. 
You should serve. You should give. And then you should love some more. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil says, do it because God said to do it. And you don't deserve the life you have if it wasn't for God. So you owe God. It's a duty. The tree of life says, obey out of delight. Obey out of delight. It's not duty to me to worship and to follow God. It's not because I have to. It's because I get to. It's because I want to. We joke about this a lot around here, but I make Tyra a cup of coffee every single morning. Like when, when I travel and she's not going with me, she's like, who's going to make my coffee in the morning? Like she, she doesn't know how. She doesn't know how. And I make her coffee every single morning. I know exactly how much cream she likes. I know she likes a frothy head on it, and she likes cinnamon sprinkles on top. And I bring it to her and serve it to her while she's still in her fluffy cloud bed. And I, and I make me one. And we have coffee every single day. We have one at first thing in the morning. We have one at 2.30. And occasionally she has a decaf at night, which I make for her. And people come up to me and they're like, man, that's got to stink. Your wife makes you do that every day. No. Actually, it doesn't. Because I'm married up. Guys, if you saw, if you saw 17-year-old Darian, okay, you would be like, Tyra, what were you thinking? And I know that. She loves me on my worst days. She knows everything there is to know about me. She's my life partner, and it is an honor for me. It will never be a duty for me. One of the greatest joys of my life is bringing that woman coffee. And she's never pumped her gas in for like years. Like, I, I'm convinced she does not know how these modern gas pumps work. The last time she pumped gas, she took the thing off the hook and she had to lift the lever up, you know what I mean? And put it in and then she walked inside and paid the attendant. I'm like, baby, they take credit cards right at the, right at the thing now. Like, you don't have to do that. She, if she would do it, she wouldn't know why it's beeping at her and there's all these different grades there. When she did it, you just picked the thing up and you put it in and you squeezed it. She doesn't know how to do that. And to my knowledge, she will never, if I can do anything about it, she will never know how a new gas pump works. Why? Because it is my, I don't have to do it. I want to do it. Why? Because I get her. I get her. The Bible says in John chapter, 1 John 5, 3, it says, in fact, this love for God to keep, this is love for God to keep his commands. We look at that and we go, aha, see, it is full of rules. And his commands are not burdensome. When you love God, doing what he asks you to do is not a burden. They're not hard unless you're living from a different tree. If you're living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then it comes across as burdensome. Verse 12 says, whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It is the greatest privilege of my life to serve and to worship 
a master, a father who loves me. When I was not even worth loving, he gave himself for me. And if you're coming to church, our prayer meeting, or if you're serving on the dream team or giving out of duty and not delight, you're eating from the wrong tree. You're eating from the wrong tree. But it's a simple change of heart. How do I change my approach to God? We're going to talk about this in this series. But answer number one, just fall in love with Jesus all over. John chapter 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. I've always read that, you know, if you, if you don't follow my commands, then you don't love me. That's not what that's saying. The answer is right where that comma is. See that comma? If you love me, pause, you'll keep my commands. That's how that's read. If you actually love me, if you have a relationship with me, if we're doing this thing together, then you'll want to live your life the way I orchestrated it. Just fall in love with Jesus and your approach to him will change. And over the next few weeks, we're going to set some people free. We're going to deal with heart conditions. We're going to deal with forgiveness and anger. And we're going to talk about wounds that people are walking around with that are causing you heartache. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how he gives you power to be set free. And it's going to be an incredible, incredible series. And it's going to be a huge launch to our fall life group semester. Amen, everyone. So, so be here. Be here. Amen. Can I, let me pray with you. Father, I love you. We love you. And Father, for so many of us, we're, we're realizing it. We've been approaching you all wrong. We've been approaching you living and eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, we know good and evil. We, we know that. We have a knowledge of you. But Father God, we, some of us, we've just never experienced life. We've never experienced the life that comes with a relationship with you. And to us, this whole Jesus thing just seems like a duty. And that's never the way you created it. And Lord, we want to know the real you. We want to have a relationship with the real Jesus. We want to be a part of God's real family. We don't want to just approach God like he's some mythological creature. We want to approach our heavenly Father who loves us and when we were yet sinners, died for us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're in the room and you've never knew God that way. You've never invited Jesus to come into your heart. Maybe you once did, but you walked away. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life or rededicate your life Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. This is between you and Jesus. I'm not going to have you stand up, walk forward. I'm just going to pray with you. If that's you and you say, that's me, I, I need a relationship with Jesus, just put your hand up and put it right back down. Anybody like that? Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else like that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Come on. I'm, I, I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Come on, put them right back down. It's painless. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Well, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. 
talking about eternity, talking about living in the right tree, the tree of life here. Jesus is the answer. He is the doorway. So I'm just going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me and recognize what's happening. People are making a decision right now. So pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died and rose again for me. And Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my life to make me a brand new person. I'm choosing today to live the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give them a hand. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.